the last lesson by Alphonse Dobita. I started for school very late that morning and was in great dread of the scolding, especially because M. Hamel had said that he would question us on participles and I did not know the first word about them. For a moment I thought of running away and spending the day out of doors. It was so warm, so bright, the birds were chirping at the edge of the woods and in the open field back of the swamp hill, the Prussian soldiers were drilling. It was all much more temptating than the rule for participles, but I had the strength to resist and hurried off to school. When I passed the town hall, there was a crowd in front of the bulletin board. For the last two years, all our bad news had come from there, the lost battles, the draft, the orders of the commanding officer, and I thought to myself without stopping, what can be the matter now? Then I hurried by as fast as we could go. The blacksmith, the matches, who was there with his apprentice, reading the bulletin, called after me, don't go so fast, Bob, you'll get to school in plenty of time. I thought he was making fun of me and reached in Hammer's little garden all out of breath. Usually when school began there was a great bustle which could be heard out in the street, the opening and closing of desks, lessons repeated in unison very loud with our hands over our ears to understand better. And the teacher's great ruler rapping on the table, but now it was all so still. I had counted on the commotion to get up to my desk without being seen, but of course that day everything had to be as quiet as Sunday morning. Through the window I saw my classmates already in their places, and M. Hamel walking up and down the, his terrible iron ruler under his arm. I had to open the door and go in before everybody. You can imagine how I blushed and how proud frightened I was. But nothing happened. M. Hamel saw me and said very kindly, Go to your position quickly, little friends. We are beginning without you. I jumped over the bench and sat down at my desk. Not till then, when I had caught a little over my fright, I did see that our teacher had on his beautiful green coat, his frill shirt and little black frill cap all embroidered that he did never wore except on inspection and prize days. Seemed no strange and solemn, but the thing had surprised me most was to see on the back benches that they were always empty, the village people sitting quietly like ourselves, like horses, with three cornered hat, the former mayor, the former postmaster and several others besides. Everybody looked sad and Hoshio had brought an old primer from that pages and he held it upon, open on his knees with his great spectacles lying across the pages. While I was wandering about it all, M. Hamel mounted his chair and in the same grave and gentle tone which he had used to me said, My children, this is the last lesson I shall give you. The order has come from Berlin to teach only German in the schools of Alsace and Lorraine. The new master comes tomorrow. This is your last French lesson. I want to be I want you to be very attentive. What a thunderclap these words were to me. Oh, the riches. That was what they had put up at the town hall. My last French lesson. Why? I hardly knew how to write. I should never learn anymore. I must stop there. Then, oh, how sorry I was not for learning my lessons, for seeking birds, eggs, or going sliding on the far. My books that had seen such a result a while ago, so heavy to carry. My grammar, my history of the saints were old friends now that I couldn't give up. And M. Hamel too, the idea that he was going away and I should never see him back, made me forget all about his ruler and how cranky he was. Poor man, it was in honor of his last lesson that he had put on his fine Sunday clothes. And now I understood why the old men of the village were sitting there in the back of the room. It was because they were sorry, too, that they had not gone to school more. It was their way of thanking our master for his 40 years of faithful service and of showing their respect for the country that was theirs, but no more.
while I was thinking of all this, I heard my name called. It was my turn to decide. What would I not have given to be able to say that dreadful rule for the participants although also very loud and clear and without one mistake but I got mixed up on the first words and stood there holding on to my desk my heart beating and not daring to look up I heard him hammer say to me I don't want to hold you see friends you must feel bad enough see how it is every day we have said to ourselves bah I have plenty of time I learn it tomorrow and now you see where we have come up ah that's a great trouble with that thing she puts off learning till tomorrow Now, those fellows out there will have the right to say to you, How is it? You pretend to be Frenchman and yet you can't neither speak or write your own language, but you are not of the worst world, little Francis. We have all a great deal to approach ourselves with. Your parents were not anxious enough to have you learn. They prefer to pull you out to work on a farm or at the mills, so as to have a little more money. And I? I have been to blame all forever. Have I not often sent you to water my flowers instead of learning your lessons? And when I wanted to go fishing, did I not just give you a holiday? Then, from one thing to another, M. Hamel went to talk of the French language, saying that it was the most beautiful language in the world, the clearest, the most logical that we must regard it among us and never forget it. Because when a people are enslaved, as long as they hold fast to their language, it is as if they had the key to their prison. Then he opened the grammar and read us our lesson. I was amazed to see how well I understood it. All he said seemed so easy, so easy. I think, too, that I had never listened so carefully, and that he had never explained everything with so much patience. It seemed almost as if the poor man wanted to keep us all he knew before going away, and to put it all into our heads at one stroke. After the grammar, we had a lesson in writing. That day, M. Hamel had new copies for us, written in a beautiful round hand. France, as I say, France, as I say, they looked like little flags floating everywhere in the schoolroom, hung from the rod at the top of our desk. You ought to have been how everyone set to work and how quiet it was. The only sound was the scratching of the pens over the paper. Once some beetles flew in, but nobody paid any attention to them. Not even the little sponge who worked right on tracing their fish hooks as if they that was French too. On the roof of the, the pigeons cooed very low and I thought to myself, will they make them sing in German, even the pigeons? Whenever I looked up from my writing, I saw him hammer sitting motionless in his chair and giving first at one thing, then at another, as if he wanted to fix it in his mind, just how everything looked in the, that little school room. Fancy, for 40 years he had been there in the same place with his garden outside the window and his glass in front of him. Just like that. had been worn through. The walnut trees in the garden were taller and the hop vine that he had planted himself twice about the window to the roof. How it was, it must have broken his heart to do it all. Poor man, to hear his sister moving about in the room above, packing their trunks, for they must leave the country next day. But he had the courage to hear every lesson to the very last. After the writing, we had a lesson in history, and then the babies chanted their ba bi bai bo bo down there at the back of the room, old Hauser had put on his spectacles and holding his primer in both hands, spelled letters with him. You could see that he too was crying, his voice trembled with emotion and it was so funny to hear him that we all wanted to laugh and cry. Ah, how well I remember it, the last lesson. All at once the church clock struck twelve, then the angelus, at the same moment the trumpet of the Prussians, returning from grill, sounded under our windows. M. Hammer stood up very pale in his chair. I never saw him look. My friends, he said, I, I, but something choked him, I could not go on. 
Then he turned to the black hole, took a piece of chalk and bearing on with all his mouth he wrote as large as he could, Vive la France. Then he stopped and leaned his head against the wall and without a word he made a gesture to us with his hand. School is dismissed. You may go.